Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Hey guys, good morning. (laughs) Sorry about the interruption. He's actually a friend. He's a neighbor. Finally got him to come to church. (laughs) But we need to work on a little bit of that etiquette, church etiquette stuff. So maybe he'll be back. And if he does, welcome him graciously. We are finishing up our series on how to thrive and talked about many different things. But today... We're going to talk about how to live on purpose, how to live on purpose. Everyone here, you have purpose. Every individual has a purpose. Your life has purpose. Our friend's life has purpose, has meaning, and I value that purpose. But do we believe this? Do we believe this about ourselves? Do you live as though it's true? And if you believe it, do you know how to find your purpose? Do you know how to lock on and stay tuned in to the purpose God has called you to? Now, that's what we're talking about today. Let's just look at a few examples from Scripture. David declared in the Psalms, Psalm 139, it says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. In your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So David's declaring in scripture prophetically that he had a purpose even from before he was born. And that God made him specifically for a reason. And then we read Isaiah, another major prophet in Scripture, said similar things concerning himself, but also prophesying about the Messiah. says, the Lord has called me from the womb. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. And made me uh, a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. And he said to me, you are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Again, from the womb. Now, this is very poignant for me. I didn't think of this as I was preparing this message. But my daughter, Emily, some of you know her. She's not been part of this church for a few years. But um, she just had her second child at 3 a.m. this morning. My third grandchild, her name, uh, the baby's name is Juniper, and both mom and baby are healthy. But just even before birth, you have a purpose. Uh, and God forms you with that purpose in mind. One other example from Scripture, Jeremiah, another one of the great prophets, uh, actually wrote the longest book in the Bible. Most people think Psalms is the longest book. Psalms has the most chapters, but... Um, <clears throat> Jeremiah's uh, uh, is uh, uh, is the longest book of the Bible. 
uh, interestingly enough, has the most number of words. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified and ordained you a prophet to the nations. Listen, all throughout Bible, there's this phrase that God is not a respecter of persons. Or in a more common uh, modern translation, God doesn't play favorites. God doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't treat one person higher than another person. To him, all of his children are equal in value. This is, a, this is a truth we really need to comprehend. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. Here's a few places you can find it. Romans 2.1 in Deuteronomy, you can find it. In Chronicles, you can find it. In Luke, it's referenced. In Acts, it's referenced. In Galatians, it's referenced. It's, it's said in different ways, but in many places throughout uh, all of Scripture is this, is this rock-solid truth of God that God doesn't play favorites. That means if God had a plan for David, as we clearly read, and and Isaiah and Jeremiah and others in scriptures, then it means he has a purpose for you and I. Your life has purpose. Do you believe it? Do you face each day knowing that you have a purpose, that you're called to something great? Do you know how to find what that purpose is? And this is an important lesson in life. We need to know these Uh, truths in order to thrive, in order to be who God's called us to be. Because you know what? There's times where we we just get off track. Amen? We fall short. Maybe we we believe in purpose for a while. We even think we know it, but then we fail. Uh, We become misguided. We get off track. Uh, David certainly did, didn't he? Did that violate God's word that he had a purpose for his life? Did that annul it? Huh? Just because David sinned, did that mean that scripture in the Psalms that we read no longer was true? No. It just means that he he got off track and had to be brought back on track. Isaiah, just a few verses later, after he quotes that amazing prophecy that God had called him to be a prophet, just in the same chapter later, he says, I've labored in vain. Vain means it's worthless, purposeless. I've set my strength for nothing. So Isaiah struggled with his purpose. Jeremiah was often overcome with despair. He even regretted being born. Jeremiah said, Cursed is the day in which I was born, that the day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. All right, so doubts, difficulties, despair, all of those things. I don't mean that we don't have a purpose. It just means like we, like these mighty men of God, like people of, of Christ, people, Christ followers throughout the generations, we're struggling with the realities of life. That's part of the package. That's what it means to follow Christ. Did Jesus have difficult times? Did he despair in the Garden of Gethsemane? He despaired to the point of shedding blood in his sweat. He cried out, God, if there's any way, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, your will, not mine, be done. So struggling and difficult, even getting off track like these prophets did, doesn't annul the purpose that God has for you and I. It's just part of the refining process and getting uh, our lives on track with God's purpose. 
Purpose flows out of values. Big idea here and very, very important part. Your purpose in life, what you define as your purpose, is going to be a direct result of what you value, what you think is important, what you think is worth it. And every decision in life, we filter through a, a values grid. Every time you make a decision, whether it's a little decision, whether to buy something at the store, pack of gums, you know, you know, to check out, they got all that candy sitting there. And you know what they're doing? They got sugary treats and salty treats. Right? And then they got magazines with salty titles. <laughs> it's like Temptation Isle. <laughs> The last few steps of the grocery store journey. And you have to put on your shield of faith and your breastplate of righteousness to not pick up the package of M&M's. Oh, no. That's my struggle. Maybe not your struggle. <laughs> All right, you value. What do you value more? What are you going to spend your money on? You know, uh, Every decision, what are you going to watch? You get to do for entertainment. Values affect everything we do. But where do we get our values from? Right? You can't just think about decisions. You can't just think about purpose. You have to go a little deeper and say, okay, what is driving my decisions? Where do I find my value system from? And of course, we get it from our parents, our, our, our childhood experience, um, and that shapes us. Just immensely, our peers, our friends, uh, that that shapes us. Media shapes us. Uh, books that we read, and hopefully you read books, and hopefully you choose good books uh, to read. <clears throat> Even the music you listen to. This is a kind of a tricky one because um, people don't pay attention to lyrics as much as they should especially if they listen to a song over and over and over again. But, you know, your mind hears the words and understands the meaning, even if you're just listening to the music and repetitive listening to a message that is counter to the character of God will affect your decision-making process because it shapes your values and you may not even realize it. So if you're going to listen to music, uh, take time to to listen to the words and make sure that they're not contrary. And, and if they are, you can still enjoy the music, but, but put a guard up, a filter up. Like, I'm not, you know, I like, that, I like the sound of their voice, but I don't like what they're saying. And know how and why. We will get our values from either the world or God's word. All right? Either from the culture we live in or from Christ. And there's a battle between those two, the world and God's word. There's a battle between the culture and Christ. And we need to, to, to uh, strengthen getting our values from, from our, the word and from our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and strengthen our defenses from being overly influenced by our culture and by the world. All right? And this verse is really great. The Living Bible kind of unpacks this. It's a real short verse in most translations, but the Living Bible puts it in contemporary uh, terminology to help us understand it. It says, do not love the world. This is the world's value system summed up in three points. 
in one ver- uh, in just two verses. Don't love the world, the lust for physical pleasure, the ambition to buy everything that appeals to you, and the pride that comes with wealth and importance. These are not from God, but from the world. So here, these are three values that are worldly that we're commanded to avoid. All right? And I'm going to just talk through these quickly. The first one is pleasure. Pleasure is okay. God created us to enjoy pleasure. He, he made our bodies work the way they do. Pleasure in and of itself isn't bad. But if pleasure is a priority, if pleasure is your purpose, then you're going you're gonna to get off track. Pleasure is one of the primary values of the world. If you ask most people what do they want out of life, they'll say they want to have fun. They want to be happy. They want to feel good. And certainly on a day-by-day basis, you know, you, you, your, your body is craving happiness. And there's not, nothing wrong with that, but we need to be careful where we get that from. Uh, it's just a different way of saying pleasure. One of the largest industries, if not the largest industry in the world is entertainment. And anything that uh, can satisfy our desire for pleasure. So pleasure is a high, high value in the world. In our, in the world means the worldly system, sinful, but it also just means in how the world works, how your physical body works, is that you want to eat things that feel and taste good, don't you? All right, so that's all right, but we all know if we overindulge just in the things that give us pleasure, we can get sick. Well, that's, that physical, natural lesson is to teach us a spiritual truth. You overindulge just in pleasurable things, you can get spiritually sick. Possessions. Nothing wrong with possessions as long as they don't own you. Okay? You can own possessions, but don't let them own you. The ambition to buy everything that appeals to you. Society is consumed with consuming. Would you agree with that? Especially our society, a Western society, American society, clothes, cars, homes, jewelry, whatever it may be. We want, we want everyone to see what we have. People collect things uh, that we don't even need, and you keep buying them. Um, and often, too often, we base our self-worth on our net worth. We think that our value is somehow linked to the things we own. But in reality, all of those things don't have any import into your value as a person. None whatsoever. You can, you can lose all of those things, and you're just as valuable to God and to those who love you. Isn't that true? But we get caught up into the cycle of the world of possessions and having the newest and the latest we need to say, wait, 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 wait a minute. That's not my highest value. And the last one in that verse from John is, is prestige. And that's, that can be power or position or popularity. How many friends you have on Facebook or whatever social media you happen to be indulging in. <laughs> Image says everything in our world. And uh, more and more so, we're status conscious that we, we want people to look up to us or feel that we're influencers. That whole term, influencers, is a kind of a new term. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
influencers, people who have influence because they have a, a large enough audience. And sometimes they have qualifications and sometimes they just get lucky and make a viral video, right? And all of a sudden they're an influencer. Uh, we want people to think we're important. That's part of the worldly value system. And there's an appropriate um, value to having significance and influence, but we can't make that the value that we filter our decisions through. Am I going to do this just to be popular? Do you see what I'm saying? I remember one of my sons coming to me, and uh, he was going uh, to the public school at this point, and he had a decision uh, whether to go to this event and I said, well, why would you want to go? And, and ultimately, it boiled down to that, that uh, he, he wanted, you know, he, he thought it might help him make friends, and, which isn't bad in and of itself. And, uh, but it wasn't necessarily the most wholesome event. And I said, you know what? You get to make the decision. I didn't make the decision for him. I said, you're going to make a choice here. And that choice is going to tell the people in your, in your life that, that are watching you what kind of person you are. Are you the kind of person that are going to go and pursue a relationship through that or not? And um, you get to decide what kind of person you are. Guess what? Everybody in this room, you get to decide what kind of person you are. How? By the decisions you make. Do you choose to do something just because it's going to make you popular or make other people think you're influential or not? Are you going to choose things based on other values? Pleasure, possessions, prestige, our worldly values, they must not be primary in shaping our purpose. They're not in and of themselves wrong, but they are wrong if they become the primary influencers of our uh, value grid by which we make decisions and by which we determine our purpose. Let's look at some godly uh, values. Three primary, primary aspects to defining God's purpose for your life. And I like these because they're kind of contrary. Um, the first one is to be God's friend. Do you realize the gospel is all about calling us into relationship with him? The whole story of the Bible, and by the way, our next series is two months, we're going to cover the whole Bible. If if you believe that, (laughs) I got a bridge to sell you. No, we're actually going to do it. (laughs) Verse by verse. No, we're not going to go verse by verse. We're not even going to touch on some whole book, but we're going to cover the arc of Scripture from, from creation and new creation. And, and, and one of the big themes of the whole Scripture is that God is a, a restoring relationship with his children. He wants to be friends. You know, the verse, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, uh, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This was God's a purpose to reconnect uh, uh, mankind who had fallen through disobedience and sin and gotten caught in the trap of rebellion of the enemy and the destruction of, of the world. And, and God wanted to redeem relationship. And so he invaded earth. He invaded the world corrupted by sin and sickness and under the rule of Satan to, to enable us to know him. Jesus is the the greatest, the fullest, the most perfect representation of our Father, God. He is God. Jesus is God, the Son. And he came to communicate 
a truth of who God is so that we could restore relationship with him. That's what everlasting life is. That's what the abundant life he's inviting us to. Jesus really nails it in John 15 where it says, greater love has no one than this, than the lay down one's life for his friends. He's talking about his death in the cross. The reason he died in the cross is because he counted us, he counted you and I, Friends, God's not a respecter of persons. Jesus wasn't just talking to these 12 guys in Israel 2,000 years ago. He was talking to you and I and everyone who hears these words and responds to these words in faith. You are my friends, Jesus says. If you do what I command you, in other words, if you follow the lifestyle I'm calling you into, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I call you friends for all things that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus demonstrated his friendship by risking himself, by revealing himself and, his, and his, who he was and his, his, his reason for living, even his death on the cross as a way to invite us into friendship. Matthew, again, the great commandment says, um, and when the, Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So again, it's restoring the love relationship between you and your creator, between you and the one who formed you in your mother's womb and, and had that purpose. It's like my daughter and my son-in-law they have dreams for this new baby, Juniper. I have dreams for her. I want her to have a full and rich and meaningful life, and as well as her uh, uh, her sibling, her, her older brother, and her cousin, my other granddaughter. We have hopes, right, and dreams. God has hopes and dreams and a purpose for you. And the gospel and Christ's coming is to reconcile us, and then we're called into living a life based on the fact that we're friends of God. If this is our top priority, uh, this should be our top priority, and, and this is what God calls us to. This is our purpose in life. And so if that is true, then we would do nothing that would violate that friendship. Big point here. Tune in. <clears throat> that means... None of the worldly values like pleasure or possessions or prestige would make us choose something that was contrary to relationship with God. What does that mean? <clears throat> Think of a friend. There are certain friends that if you do things with them, they would go, I, I don't want to be a part of that. And that fractures your friendships. Or maybe other friends, hey, they love doing that with you. God has things he doesn't like. And so you need to choose, are you going to do things that make your friendship with God more intimate? Or are you going to do things that estrange yourself from God? Are you going to choose things that give you pleasure, like smoking weed? It's legal now. Yeah, but does it bring you closer into relationship with God? Or is it a dependence on something artificial or not natural, not healthy to your body? 
Same thing with abuse of alcohol or overeating or watching things that are uh, contrary to the character of our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus. Just picture, would Jesus sit down and be doing that with you? Or would he be saying, go and sin no more? Who are you going to walk with? You get to decide. You get to choose what kind of person you're going to be by identifying whether you're going to put friendship with God higher than pleasure or friendship with God higher than possession. I'm not going to spend my money on this because I don't think God values it. I'm going to spend my money on something God values. I'm not going to do this just to be popular. I'm going to do, this, I'm going to do what makes me popular with God. It may be an enemy of the world. Am I, am I hitting some ground here? Hitting some traction? Number two purpose, befriend others. Friend of God and befriend others. Jesus said the second commandment, same, same phrase, is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, hang all of the law and the prophets. That means on those two uh, truths, on loving God and loving others, all the rest of God's requirement, those are like pegs in which everything else are suspended. In other words, that's the, those are the two big purposes of life. Our love for God is meant to flow outward into love for those around us. And this form of love, okay, this is another big point for our day. We don't get to define what this love looks like. A lot of people say, well, I'm doing this because I love them. And I'm like, well, that doesn't look like God's love. Because God condemns that behavior. So I can't love someone by affirming a behavior God condemns and says is destructive. If God in his word and throughout scripture says this behavior, that behavior leads to death. It's not love to tell someone, you can go ahead and do that and I'll love you. No. That's horrendous. Love is saying, because I love you, I'm going to point out that God says this is really destructive. And I I ask you to consider choosing how you're going to live your life and avoid those things because it's going to wreck your life. Does this make sense? All right. So we need to realize that we don't define what love is. Love, our love for others, befriending others, must be an expression of God's love and reproduce God's love and character and holiness. It's got to reflect his nature. Uh, it says in Ephesians that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works are things done for, out of love for the benefit of others. So the motive is never our salvation. That was taken care of on the cross. Believing Jesus paid the price gets us into a relationship with God and eternal life. But good works is meant to display his love and benefit others and befriend others because God's love is poured in us. And we were prepared, we were formed for this purpose that we should accomplish uh, the, 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 the good works that God prepared beforehand. And so as Christ followers, our good works should look in the same kind as his good works, which were living sacrificially for the benefit 
uh, of others and motivated by the uh, love of God. So if befriending others is a primary value, then we would do nothing that would violate others. We would do nothing that would bring harm to others, right? No pleasure, no possession, no, no prestige or power would make us choose something that was contrary for doing what was best in alignment to God's character and nature for others. Does this make sense? So we don't become power hungry at the, at the cost of, of stepping on other people's rights or, stepping, or taking away other people's uh, livelihoods or, or imposing our will over others in an inappropriate way. We, we serve others just like Jesus came to serve and not be served. We see that's the highest priority. So we make decisions based on what would benefit those around us. And finally, to influence our world. <clears throat> and this is, of course, summed up in the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Our purpose and our mission was determined by our Lord Jesus Christ, it hasn't changed. It never will change. Uh, this is the purpose of the church. But you as individuals in the church are called to live your life according to this purpose. Each of us has specific roles within this great commission. But each of us is important to communicate the love and the message of the gospel to a lost and broken world. Amen? All right. Jesus lived in the world. Think about it. He moved throughout all of society, religious people, tax collectors, greedy people, okay? Children, children are great. I love them, but sometimes they're annoying. <laughs> right? Needy people, people that interrupt your life, all kinds of people, all kinds of walks of life. He was a friend of sinners. He spent time with them. They saw his life. They heard his words. They felt his heart. He was comfortable around him, yet he didn't compromise his lifestyle or character, right? That's how we need to be. That's how you need to be. That's how you can demonstrate this as a value. Make decisions that reproduces Jesus's life in your life to those around you to be influencers and change agents for Christ in our communities, calling others into their purpose of being a friend of God. Do you, do you get this? We're now friends of God, but we now exist to let other people know God wants to be their friend and, and what God, the lengths God has done to be their friend and to befriend others and to influence their world. So if there's anything that we do that would compromise our ability to influence the world to become a friend of God and to befriend others and to fulfill the Great Commission, then we want to not do that. We make decisions based on this. Every time I post something on Facebook, I think, is this going to affect how my atheist friends that I keep in touch with are open to hearing when I do want to speak the gospel to them. And maybe I just don't post it because I want to maintain relationship. 
so that when I have opportunity in private messages or when I'm with my friends, they're open to hear and they don't put up the walls. Does this make sense? All right? And this applies to everything. We make decisions based on these values because these values are the big values. They're the important values in life. 